Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we begin a brand new week talking all things WWE as the road to money in the bank continues. I'm Keela Cash and by my side as always is my co-captain, my right hand, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner pulling two checks on NXT and the main roster on occasion. I bring to you as always Salty Scott Young. Hello Salty, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. I'm I'm very excited. Uh, we got a little little strong style influence here on the show today. The beginning of a a little bit of a double header we got this month with that. But um, I'm very excited about the conversations we're going to have. I think I might even surprise you with some love. I'm going to show. It's it's going to be a very good show. I'm already scared because you showing love to people that is unexpected. Mm, it's going to be a moment. I have a feeling, but we're going to sit through it, enjoy it. And I cannot wait to see what you got to say about who you're going to be showing love to today. But joining us this week is someone who's been on the show a few times. And normally he dusts off his tuxedo once a year for the rap awards. But he says, you know what? I feel like working in June. It's a very busy month for New Japan. We're going strong style this month, back to back. We love to see it. But here with us today on The Wrap, once again, is the one, the only, Stephen Conway. Welcome back, Stephen. Thank you, Keila. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. I am happier to be here than Von Wagner is to see his new therapist. <laughs> and he was very happy to see her this past Tuesday on NXT. He's going to be showing up on time for his appointments. That's always good to see. He will show up 15 minutes early for each appointment now. <laughs> with for, cheddar biscuits in tow. Now, wait a minute now. I ain't going he, there he, with the cheddar biscuits. No, no, no. I didn't, nobody said he was getting it. He's just stopping by the store <laughs> on the way. He's calling in saying, can I get an order of biscuits to go? He's picking them up and he's taking them. <laughs> Listen. He's going to the local Publix to buy the mix to fix the cheddar biscuits, Stop then bake them at home, it. then bring them to the appointment. First of all, first of all, Von Wagner ain't doing, he ain't cooking nothing. He ain't putting nothing in the, in the kitchen. Okay. Mr. Stone might be. Mr. Stone might be in the kitchen. Von ain't in the kitchen. I can actually picture Robert Stone cooking biscuits in the kitchen. And I could too. And I could see it. I think, I think it might be happening. There you go. Yeah, they, uh, you know, Vaughn was, you know, Vaughn is doing a little bit better and showing a little bit of charisma and things. And this, that, uh, that little skit right there. We better hope that uh, the one guy from Brooks and Jensen, whichever one's the virgin there, doesn't uh, find out about this. So they'll never get him out of there. There's a hot, there's a hot therapist. He's going to be chasing her down the street. That guy is, uh, you know, poor guy just looking for love. He's showing great growth, though, by showing restraint from hopping on the next hot lady he sees. He's taking a break from the dating scene, which is good for him. And he should save his virginity for someone that will appreciate deflowering him when the time comes. And quite frankly, 
I don't want to see that on my screen. Well, he and Fallon are going to fall for each other eventually, right? Isn't this a story? If they remember it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of evidence Shawn Michaels actually good at this, so <laughs> they might have forgotten it by the time they get around to that. Listen, Shawn is reliving the best of the 90s without the drugs, and there are elements he will forget, <laughs> such as this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. Sean, uh, you know, if we can just get Sean to realize there's another finish other than distraction from the outside and a roll up, we'll, we'll, you know, we're working on Sean. We'll see what happens. It's week to week with him. But listen, he's living his 90s fantasy. I'm not mm. mad at it. NXT is never boring. It's stuff is happening every single week. I would give him that. Is it always good? No, but at least he's trying to make the show interesting week to week. But we'll get to NXT shortly. But let's talk about the flagship show, the main show, Monday Night Raw, going down live on USA. And the first thing I want to talk about is the best match, dare I say, of the week, quite possibly one of the better matches you'll see on TV this year. It was gone through the Intercontinental Champion going up against one half of the WWE Undisputed Tag Team Champions. It's KO, Kevin Owens. And what I love about Kevin as of late is he is ready for a fight. He doesn't care who it is. He doesn't care about your music hitting. He's ready to fight no matter what. He basically told Gunther, you, you want to go? Let's go meet me in the ring. And it is just an absolute battle for a good 20 minutes. Gunther laying in shots, clotheslines, suplexes, power bombs, drop kicks. He is just mauling KO, but KO fights back with swantons, a German of his own. And it's just back and forth. The near falls have the fans biting. We get some distractions at ringside courtesy of Imperium, but it really does come down to Gunther getting that pin on Kevin Owens to sneak away a victory. That was really narrow because... This was a battle, a fight, and the chemistry was on point. I love this match. One of the best matches you'll see on WWE television this year as Gunther officially passes the one-year mark as Intercontinental Champion. A great reign so far. But Scott, your take on this match that really set the tone for Monday night in terms of in-ring action. I thought the match was great. A uh, fantastic match between two fantastic wrestlers. Uh, Gunther is that guy. He is one of the best wrestlers in the world. I'm, I'm, he's getting a chance to show it. Uh, every time he steps in the ring, it's, it's, it's one of the best matches you're going to see in the, of the week. We just talked about Shawn Michaels and his uh, roll-up finishes. These dudes were kicking out of everything and you know the roll up. I, I've never been a fan of kicking out of everything, but the the nice basic roll up uh, gets the win. But that's that's a small minor thing. I um I I do wonder if the plan is to build to a Sammy Gunther match for the title. Obviously, we're going to get Imperium for versus them for the tag titles at some point. But I I do wonder if we do get a Sammy versus Gunther match for the IC title. Just kind of the way they were having the stare downs and the looks and whatnot. Very possible. It would not surprise me. And it would be great, you know, Sammy and Gunther having a match for the IC title could be a lot of fun. As we also said, wait to the tag team feud with Imperium and the tag champs, which might be put on ice for a while because we got this gauntlet match on SmackDown this Friday. But we'll see how they played in the weeks to come. But that is definitely a possibility. Sammy is still a fan favorite and he could deliver a great match against Gunther for the IC title whenever they decide to do it. So 
I love the idea. Let's go with the WWE because this match on Monday with KO and Gunther was pretty damn good. And roll-up finish was surprising, but it was telling because that was the only way Gunther could beat Kevin Owens because it was a very, very narrow victory for him on Monday. But Steven, your take on this match, giving you a little strong style flavor with Gunther and KO going back and forth for a good 20 minutes. You're right. It did feel like a strong style match. It was one of them, those that would have translated very well to a New Japan ring. I, I loved it, of course. I think everybody that likes wrestling would love the, a match like this. This is one of those matchups, Kevin Owens and Gunther, that you really look forward to when Gunther came up to the main roster. You know, like, I'd love to see him against Owens. I'd love to see him against a lot of people, but this was one of them. They got the crowd into it, and th- that crowd absolutely bought some of those near falls in that match. They were popping up and on their feet. They thought they might get uh, to see a win here for Owens. So they had the crowd in the palm of their hand. It was terrific. And it's going to be a slow burn with this because, as you mentioned, there's a gauntlet match on the SmackDown side for a title match against Owens and Zane that Owens and Zane will almost certainly win. But from there, you can get later on into Imperium versus Owens and Zane, and that's great. The key to this is any combination of these guys will make for a terrific match. All five people involved in this are excellent workers, and whether it's Gunther against them in singles or a tag team with uh, Giovanni Vinci and and uh, now I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm about to call him his old NXT name. I'm sorry about that, but uh, the uh, what is it, Dieter... Dieter's son. I'm sorry. What is his name? Ludwig. Ludwig Kaiser. Good grief, Steven. Sorry about that. Uh, I was about to call him his NXT name, but Kaiser and Vinci, uh, that's an excellent team. And they would give great matches to Owens and Zane for the tag team titles. And if you wanted to throw a third person in there like Riddle or something, and you can take that to the house shows, there's all kinds of ways to do it. And uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing it. And if they want to slow burn this and make it a longer term thing, that's terrific. Owens and Zane need something steady. I would like to see them in a storyline and something steady since obviously the bloodline has been spun off into its own turmoil. And this is an excellent way to do it. And I'll sit and if they want to, these guys want to wrestle like this and have matches like this, I'll watch it every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I love matches like this. And I have to blame Steven for like two seconds because I had to go back in the recesses of my brain and remember what was Ludwig's old name? on NXT <laughs> yeah. because we've been calling him Ludwig for the last year or so. Yeah. So my memory serves. He was Marcel Bartel. Marcel Bartel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Either way, Cheddar Biscuits Unlimited for him <laughs> all day long. Yeah. This is a lot of fun to watch and, and, and these guys could you know just tear it up anytime. So Gunther's on quite a roll. You mentioned he's been champion for a year and it just seems like it fits. I, there very few people have, worn that intercontinental belt this well in a very long time. He just it just feels right. It feels legit. And whenever he does drop the thing, it's going to have a lot more meaning as a championship than it did when he got it. And so all kudos to him. He's done exactly what they were hoping he'd do with that title. He's brought back legitimacy to this belt that has been missing for a very long time. And I'm going to give the Miz a shout out because he cared about the belt. About six or seven years ago when he was a champion, he wanted to put some respect on its name. He was mad when he wasn't on SmackDown. He's a champion and he's getting no respect, no airtime. And I can understand that. And now with Gunther, like these title defenses have been very strong on PLEs, 
on TV and he's been a fighting champion. His matches have simply not missed yet. And I think it's been a great idea for WWE to present him as a star that could elevate that title and himself at the same time. And his call up in the last year or so has been great. There have been some moments of hmm when he was chopping our guy Ludwig last year for reasons, but they kind of pulled back on that once Vince stepped aside, thank God. And ever since then, he's been on a run and that run is going to continue to be strong up until someone beats him. And it's going to mean a lot when that person does finally defeat him to win that IC title and may it move on to bigger and better things besides being so big and better right now with Gunther as champion. But really good match on Monday between Gunther and Kevin Owens. Went it back some time because it was really, really good. As we move on to... Speaking of The Miz, a special edition of Miz TV involving one Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, and an intrusion by Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley. And one of the best aspects of Dominic Mysterio's heel run as of late is we now have an ongoing competition of who gets the most heel heat on TV every week. Is it Don Callis or Dominic Mysterio? I think Dom Dom <laughs> wins this week in terms of heat. He got booed at the building and... Dominic Mysterio is fighting for children everywhere, apparently, because he heard Cody's promo last Monday about here's my itinerary, Brock. Wherever I go, I hope you follow me. I'm going to be on the road. If you're going to be available, come find me. You know where I'm at so we can finish this. So Dom Dom mentions, well, don't you have a daughter, Cody? What kind of father leaves his daughter in pursuit of a guy to beat up on the regular? You're yeah. Dom is surprisingly traditional in this sense. Very a big problem with working parents. <laughs> he has a serious problem with parents working a full time job that happens to involve whooping ass <laughs> for a large majority of it. How dare you go to your job, Cody? How dare you seek revenge on a guy that beat you up at a PLE? How dare you go after someone that beat you inexplicably the night after WrestleMania for reasons we still don't fully understand? How dare you do this for your job, Cody? How dare you be a deadbeat father like my deadbeat dad, Ray Mysterio? And Cody mentions, well, you know what? I have a great deal of respect for your father and you who spent all of 15 minutes in county jail. And listen, your prison tattoo is worse than my tattoo. Like at least Cody realizes, yes, your tattoo after all these years suck. And then he goes in for the juggler saying that, you know what? Rey Mysterio is not perfect. He's made a lot of mistakes. And Cody's looking at one of them before him right now. And the fans pop and Rhea's getting a bit defensive as well. So Dom Dom, like usual, takes the bitch way out and slaps Cody and runs away. And I'm guessing we're going to get Cody and Dominic at Money in the Bank, a nice little stopgap between him and Brock part three, presumably at SummerSlam. But here's something that intrigues me a bit because I saw somebody on the timeline chirping a little bit on Twitter. One, Brandy Rhodes. Nope. Nope. Oh, nope. no. Nope. Nope. Say it ain't so. I hear, Say it ain't so. I hear the dissension from my guys, and oh. I know, but listen, it's London. It's money in the bank. There is no obvious opponent for Rhea Ripley right now. So let's get this out of the way. Let's have a fun mixed tag team match. Brandy and Cody versus Dom, Dom and Rhea. It'll be a lot of fun. We can get her out of our systems and then we can move on. I know that Scott hates this idea, but I'm going to skip him and go right, and go right to Steven for right now and offer 
his analysis on the segment and my weird proposal of Brandy for one night only, for one month only, possibly teaming with her husband against Rhea and Dom Dom. Well, uh, if you're looking for somebody to uh, voice a different opinion than Scott's, I'm afraid you've come to the wrong place. I, I'm here now. You will find no relief here. That I that is, boy, that sounds awful. And uh, it's been a wonderful little bit of bliss this last year without Brandy Rhodes being involved in anything in wrestling. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I could see them doing that. I, I hope they don't. The issue is. Dom has a ton of heat and he's terrific on the microphone and he's great in these interview segments right here where he's the, the you know, the heel that's so cowardly, he'll smack and then hide behind uh, Rhea. The issue is he's, he doesn't wrestle well. So it's already going to be a challenge for Cody since a lot of Dominic matches die right after the bell rings. And there have been exceptions, not the Ray match, of course, that was a whole different uh, thing with the, they had all the subtext and all the months of buildup and, and all that. And everyone just wanted to see him finally get beat up. Now that we've seen that a lot of Dominic matches kind of die on the vine. Once the match actually starts, cause he's just not particularly a good wrestler. Cody is a good wrestler, but he's not, someone that's going to carry someone to a great match. So this is already enough of a challenge without Rhea having to try to carry Brandy. And the issue is in a mixed tag like that, there's no combination because the, the men can't really work with the women except to take a shot from the woman uh, a few times. The guy can't really get offense in on them. So the two good workers can't work together. And so, uh, you know, I, I worry if a match like that, it'll be, Cody trying to lead Dom into something okay, and then Rhea just trying to get Brandy to do anything, and it's like, boy, that could be pretty painful to watch. So, I, you know, I'm hoping that maybe they can just do a quick thing where Cody beats him, and I, you know, we're already doing this, and they can sell the arm because there's this ridiculous idea that a guy with a broken arm is cleared to wrestle. Uh, so we're going through all that, and he's got the Iron Mike Sharp thing on his arm now, and he's knocking people out with it, so he can conk. Dominic over the head and knock him cold and have Rhea throw him over his shoulder and carry him out. And I think that would be enough, but I worry Kayla. I, th- I hope they're not listening too closely to this because uh, I, I, I can absolutely see them bringing Brandy back for a mixed tag. And that would be pretty rough. I want it because I'm sick. I'm sorry. I'm a sick person. <laughs> I need this in my life. Just to get it out of my system for one good month. Scott despises this idea. But now I have to give him the floor so he can just read me and Brandy and this entire idea for filth. But Scott, have at it. Drag me. Do what you will. <laughs> I just want to know who said it was open mic night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I want to know. Um, listen, I, I think it's, I, I'm here for Crash TV. I, I that's all. I, <laughs> who knows what she would say? I, I just don't think it would be good. Um, I, I do want to say. If the match happens, I'm here for Dominic beating Cody Rhodes. I am 100% on board with Brock Lesnar coming back, interfering in the match, and Dominic Mysterio pinning Cody Rhodes and walking around and telling people, I'm like Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I'm just like them. I mean, what better, what, what more better way to get more heat to pin Cody Rose and just start talking like you're Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I, I'm here for that. I'm, I'm here for Dominic Mysterio getting a push to the top of the card. I'm, I'm here for the eventual World Heavyweight Title match on Raw versus Seth Rollins. I'm, 
I, I know Dominic's not a great wrestler, but he's definitely getting better. And the only way you're going to get better is you is just got to get thrown to the wolves. You got to <laughs> keep getting thrown to the wolves. Is he getting better? I think so. His matches with Santos have been good. Um, I, I, I think I don't think he's had a bad match, which is which is an improvement because before you couldn't say that he was he was putting on duds weekly. I think now with the heat that he's got with Rhea on the outside causing the distraction, you still have the smoke and mirrors with that outside with the Judgment Day. I absolutely think you can still get good matches, especially with workers the caliber of Cody Rhodes and a Seth Rollins, whenever that match does happen. Because those matches are going to happen. Just so there's too much energy for it not to. I do sense that Dom is getting better. Now, listen, I came for him months ago with those hip swivels that were not swiveling at all. And he's improved on that a lot. He does have some work to do. He's still rough around the edges, but you can see the improvement there. And when you couple that with the hill heat he's getting, it's a great combination. Him and Cody can have a passable match. I do believe that. And it would be great bragging rights for Dom Dom to beat Cody with, with, with Brock's help along the way to agitate Cody even more. It will be something that Cody can be mad about and he can get his win back eventually, most of all. And that would give something for Dom to brag about a big win on behalf of judgment day. He'll never shut up about it. And that'd be good for him. So they can play this anyway. They they can play this any way that they want to, but I'm a sucker for the brandy element. I'm sorry. I can't resist it. I will speak this into existence if I have to, because I love a good mess, even if only for one night. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> He's like, no, he doesn't want it. I understand it, but I want it. Well, uh, let me ask you this, Kayla. What What is it? I mean, because obviously I understand the, it's not because you think Brandy is a great wrestler, but what, what about, is it just the chaos theory of it? It's the chaos. It's the dragging that I would love. The on-air dragging of Dominic by Brandy would be hilarious. <laughs> I just need oh, she, that. She would drag nah. him. She gonna get in that tail. Like, let me, let me, let's keep it one hundred. But you know what? You know what, Keila? Let me, let me. You know what? I might, I might come around on that. I might one hundred percent be here for Brandy to come out. I'd be like, you know what, Dom? Sick of you. She cuts a promo. You know, she digs. And everybody's like, oh. And then Rhea Ripley just walks in there. It's like, yo, shut your mouth and just destroys her. I would one hundred percent be here for that. You think Brandy would do that? I think she would do it because. Well, she would only do it if she can get her get Rhea back. That's she ain't just gonna let her do it and not get her back. So, yeah. double edged sword. She gotta get a look back somehow, some way. She'll take the beat down. Right, listen, it is what it is. She's gotta it get is. a lick You're back. Right. You're right. Somehow, some way. It ain't gonna result in the championship, but she'll get a lick back. And I'm not mad at that. I just, I just love the chaos of what Brandy brings on the microphone because you never know what she's gonna say. And I'll be highly entertained. I would wonder what the hell I'm watching, but I would not be <laughs> bored for one second. And I love that for me as a fan. So, That's Brandy, sick. come home, give me what I want, drag Dom and get beat up by Rhea, and then you can get your lick back. As we move on to the main event of Monday Night Raw involving our brand new World Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins going up against Damian Priest from Judgment Day. And last week, Scott and I had a passionate discussion as to why as to why Damian Priest was getting a shot at the World Championship after losing in a tag team match last week. And 
we still don't know. He had this match, but what's interesting is that he wanted to do it by himself. No help from Judgment Day, no Finn Balor, no Dom Dom, no Rhea. He wanted to be all by himself to face the champ for the championship. This was a very good match. Love the back and forth action. Another match that went a good 20 minutes on TV, got the time needed to get over with the people. And we had some compelling near falls. You knew the outcome was academic. The Seth was not losing in his first offense. But the fact is we was biting and nibbling and near falls. We have Seth going for the pedigree and Damian Priest kicks out. We have him go for the broken arrow and Seth Rollins kicks out and we have Rollins go for the tope on the outside three times over. And that still doesn't take out Damian Priest. It's a buckle bomb on the barricade at one point as well. That still does not take out Damian Priest. So this is rapid fire action back and forth. We love it. And then Finn Balor comes out to distract and Damian Priest is not happy about this whatsoever. He's quite mad that Finn defied his orders to stay away. And that allows Seth Rollins to get back in control of things, land a curb stomp to retain the championship. And then Finn gets in Seth's face that could be setting up a match at Money in the Bank between the two for the heavyweight championship. But I'm more intrigued by Damian Priest's performance, once again, having a nice match against Seth Rollins, but also his look of like, why are you here, Finn? I had this under control, had the match won. Why are you in my business? And this could be leading to the first serious fracture in the Judgment Day because I do sense the WWE wants to push Damian Priest as a babyface. I'm not mad at that because he was very good in that role in NXT when he wasn't a hybrid of Mr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So I want that for him on the main roster, fully realized. And he had to go through the hero run in Judgment Day to get to possibly where they're trying to go here, Scott, with Damian Priest over as a babyface, with him possibly turning on Finn very, very soon. Yeah, the eventual, uh, the Priest versus the Demon match that we will eventually see, um, <laughs> that will eventually lead to the tag team match of Damian and the Priest versus Finn Balor and the Demon. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be fantastic television. Um, no, I, I, I agree with you. And, you know, the look that Finn Balor gave Damian Priest when he was like, no, Finn, I got this. You know, and Finn was like, word? Like, what, really? And so, again, Finn Balor being up in Seth Rollins' face, that doesn't make a lot of sense because didn't Rollins beat Finn Balor in the tournament on the way to the title? Like, come on, man. Just, you have to, like, that's that was a, just a few weeks ago. Like, you... You gotta, you gotta, you gotta think and just plan for this. How simple would it have just been for Damian Priest to essentially kind of run wild in that match, pin AJ Styles, and like do it by himself and just kind of look like a monster? And then, and then it kind of makes sense. Okay, Damian did that. It makes sense. He wants to shot by himself. So now when Finn Balor interferes, Damian has a legit gripe. Like, did you see what I did last week? I took over and I won. I did that. I didn't need your help. I told you that. Like, it, the story just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. The match was fantastic. Another Raw had a, that was another really good match on Monday Night Raw. So, um, I mean, the match was fine, but it, the story is just so disjointed. And they'll be able to make it make sense with some video packages. But this could have all been cert- just taken care of if Damian Priest would have just won his match last week. 
that's the problem. Wins and losses have to matter. Win your match, and then you qualify for sort of the championship. It makes so much sense. But oh no, let's go about it the long way. Let's set issue an open challenge. And hey, loser, allow me to throw my name in the hat to be your first challenger. Make it make sense. It would have made the match a bit more suspenseful in terms of this can go either way, even though we're not crazy. But give Damien Priest the win. He can beat AJ Styles. He doesn't go here on Monday Night Raw. Just take care of business, get the W, then justify this matchup. It was still very good, strong main event, but wins and losses go a long way to making title matches mean a little bit more. But, you know, that's WWE. They go on WWE somehow, some way, but still very good main event. Damien Priest on the cusp of a babyface turn and Scott Scenario dating back to the pandemic of the Priest and the demon and the cinematic masterpiece out of WrestleMania. May it not happen because no, I don't want that kind of craziness, but no. It's coming from a woman who wants Brandy Rhodes on the next show. Listen, that's reasonable. <laughs> this request by Scott is unreasonable now. Like we have to be quarantined for this to happen. And I don't want to go back to those days. So we have to avoid this at all costs. So respectfully, just just be glad that uh, Bray Wyatt and his uh, Wyatt family and the Wyatt six aren't all involved. (laughs) You know, we'd have a gauntlet match of personalities. He's like Candyman. You don't say his name too often. He'll come back up. (sighs) NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another thing I had to apologize for on the show about Bray Wyatt of how wrong I was and how I thought things would be different. (sighs) Steven. Real quick, real quick before you go to Steve, I just wanted while you're, you know, while you were apologizing and (laughs) I just wanted to throw one more kick while you were down. This is the third week in a row that you show love to the Miz too. This is great. How could I be in a bad mood? I should have been Perky Scott on the show. You know, this is all coming to an end, right? On Monday, when he faces Cody. If the match is trash, I would drag him. Because remember last year, a trash it match. It was not good. So your streak could end at three. So enjoy this victory right now. Savor it. I shouted out Lucha Miz, Icy Title Miz, Talk Show Host Miz. I've shown him love. This week, if he fucks this up, I have my ammunition ready for you for next week. And oh, I cannot wait because just you and me, there is no Steven here to cover for your ass to make sure <laughs> that you can endure what I'm going to give to you next Saturday for Monday. You've That's been warned. Threat. You've been warned, Scott. I, I heard it right here. 
Mm-hmm. I know it's going down on Monday. Ms. <laughs> Cody, it better be passable. If not, I got your ass. But Stephen, <laughs> as I <laughs> as I fight back against my co-captain for these Ms. Compliments. Ew. I, hate when, I hate it when mom and dad are fighting. Like I know. We're. I'm sorry. It's what we do here. He brings up Miz, and I, I just. Know. Oh, I know. I know. Oh. I, I, I had a two minute rant on Bray Wyatt the last time I was here, but I, I was pissed <laughs> off that this guy went on a, a shopping spree at Spirit Halloween. And now we got to listen to this clown, this human mediocrity, come on our televisions and waste our time again. Oh, Thankfully, it didn't last as long as uh, he thought it was going to last. We were we were only stuck with it for a couple of months. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I had often apology on this air and. It still bothers me because I had such high hopes. But let's remove ourselves from those bad memories of regret and pain and yes, offer your take. To, to a pretty good main event. Yes. I mean, that was a really good, it was a really good main event. And it is leading to the obvious babyface turn for Priest. He has stepped up in several situations for them. Goodness knows his performance against Bad Bunny in Puerto Rico was fabulous. And that was that was terrific work. He's been good in other big situations. You know they love his size, which you can't teach, right? You know, he's he's a he's a big guy. He has good charisma. And I agree with you, Keela. He was surprisingly effective as a babyface in NXT. When you look at the guy, you think heel and punishment Martinez, you know, his ROH character was was more heelish and not always, but uh, he's surprisingly good as a baby face. And uh, I think it's time for the run and judgment day can go on with the momentum of Dominic and Rhea and Finn without much trouble. And and you can turn priest and uh, I think it'll work. I think priest will end up being a a pretty good, uh, pretty good baby face on that side because he, he did it in NXT when uh, he was stuck with some silliness and still kind of made some of that work. And I, I think he can do it here too. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think he's a talented guy. And as far as Seth goes, you're absolutely right that wins and losses should matter, but this is Vince McMahon's WWE again, and he doesn't remember who wins and who losses from one, who loses from one week to the next. The key is I, my guess is that Seth is simply biding time until they bring Drew back and tire back as a heel to attack him. That's, that's just my thought. And that's probably where they're going to go with Seth. So he can be the guy that's kind of the catalyst for this conflict between Finn and priest, because Seth is just there to kind of run through a couple of people uh, until the big rival comes and he's just got this title. So it's worth it to just give Seth some guys that he can have good matches with and beat and establish his reign before they bring in the big bad. And so I, I think his, involvement with judgment day is superfluous anyway and it's just kind of him establishing that championship and getting some victories but uh you're right they absolutely could have had priest win that match the other week but uh i'm not convinced anything that happens on monday really affects what happens the following monday because i don't think he really remembers it on monday the following monday afternoon when he's writing that night's show or tearing it up and, and rewriting it. So, uh, it, yeah, it, it does get frustrating when you look at that and you just go, why Why didn't he just win? That he, <laughs> this the whole thing would have made a heck of a lot more sense. But he doesn't remember that. Well, we are where we are right now. He's back making decisions sometimes via Zoom. He did some reworking for Monday's show. I will say that Monday's show was very good. And, you know, I'm not going to knock the old man. I always say this for him. Once every three months, he has a good idea. He he has a good idea. He'll plot a good show four times a year. 
and the other is crapshoot. And <laughs> for one week, it was good. I'm not going to hate on him. I just have an issue with Damian Priest losing the week yeah. before. Gets a title shot this week. Still a very good main event. But make me care emotionally as a fan when it comes to winning matches to earn title shots. That's the only thing he's got to work on. But still, for today's standards, Monday Night Raw with Vince somewhere in the chair was pretty, pretty good. I'm not going to be mad at that. But still, stay away, mostly old man. Stay the fuck away from our show. Whoa. <laughs> um, I do I do want to um I, t- I mentioned that I, I had some love that I wanted to show that I don't normally show. Man, I'm gonna tell you, Casey and JoJo, they might be my favorite tag team about or at least they're about to be my favorite tag team. I, I and I love what they brought to the table. I thought they had a great debut. I thought the video package was really good. Like the way Caden Carter came off, she was like, yo, I'm a Hall of Fame basketball player. Like, I do this. Like, I deserve this respect. So I just wanted to show them some love because I, you know, I bag on them a lot. But I thought they had a great showing on Monday Night Raw and probably the best Ronda match since she actually cared. Yeah, and it was I was impressed with how much Ronda sold for him, too, because you don't normally right. see that out right. of her. But there's obviously something that Rhonda likes because she worked harder than usual to put those two over. So uh, they obviously have a little bit of a respect or at least good feelings in the locker room as well. And they had a very good run as the tag team champions. I I thought they improved by leaps and bounds. So I, I agree with you there, Scott. I thought they had a nice debut. I hope they do well on the main roster because there's not a whole lot more they could have done in NXT. They pretty much had done it all. And they were, they had earned this, they earned it, they earned the spot. So I was encouraged by how much Baszler and Ronda sold for them because when that match started, I wasn't expecting that. I thought this might be like, they, they might get steamrolled just because of the way they mostly portray those two. But uh, no, they, they look good. And I, I think they have a future there. I'm so proud of my, co-captain Scott because you know we've been together on the show for nearly two years and I was the main main person that supported Casey and Jojo and he didn't see the vision for a very long time he was scoff at me complimenting them showing them love on a regular basis but now he sees the vision he sees how good they are and I'm very thankful that I was always right and he saw the light I'm very thankful he realized, wow, Casey and JoJo, they really are a great tag team. They've shown up and shown out on NXT, doing the same thing on the main roster. They motivated Ronda Rousey, which is a fucking miracle these days, to have her show up to work and actually enjoy it for a change. So a win-win for Casey and JoJo and a bigger win for Scott for realizing, wow, he was wrong, but now he's right. No, just just thank Ronda Rousey. Just took a Ronda Rousey match. That's all. I'm not thanking her for shit. <laughs> it's a, a bridge too far, Scott, for the love of God. Yes, he built the bridge. I'm ready to light that sucker up because how dare you even suggest that Ronda deserves credit? No, Casey and JoJo and Shayna deserve credit. Rhonda showed up and she was happy to be there for once. And I'm thankful. And I will compliment her again, even on Friday. I'm not going to lie. She looked good in her fit. She looked mm-hmm. good. She looked very, very nice. She looked like she wanted to be there. And that's all that I want to see. If you want to be here, Rhonda, act like it. And that's all I want to see. Because up until this point, you looked bored. Well, at least we have three teams now. Lord, we need four more. 
Yeah. We need yeah, four probably. more. We'll get to the tag team situation shortly, but let's take that quick jolt down to NXT in Orlando, Florida. Let's talk about our favorite Tuesday show. I always lie and say it's our favorite, but it's one of the things we love to talk about on this show on a regular basis. And it kicked off with the one, the only Baron Corbin. (laughs) And, you know, the people know how I feel about Baron Corbin. My favorite Baron Corbin is broke ass Baron Corbin. My second favorite, my second favorite Baron Corbin is up, up, down, down Baron Corbin. My third favorite Baron Corbin is the one that cooks Wagyu beef on Instagram. So I love all those Baron Corbins, except the one that wrestles most of the time on TV and is very (laughs) bland personality. But I will say that on Tuesday's NXT, this guy quite possibly cut, dare I say, the promo of his career as he basically ran down his credentials in a meaningful way, saying that I'm here, I'm big money, I'm big shit, you need me, I've done this, I've done that. He's basically proven a point that wherever I go, I'm a star. And he spoke with conviction, he was believable on the microphone, he had good material to work with, and he was confident. And I love that for him. My only thing is now that you're back on NXT, part-time i need you to 86 that lame ass theme music give me back the lone wolf theme from a few years ago lean into that a bit more and he's good to go now the wardrobe in terms of his gear choices i don't know what's going on there but in terms of his delivery on the microphone i would give baron corbin all the credit he had me biting and believing steven well, it was fine. I, I, you know, the promo was pretty much a WWE promo by the numbers, you know, like the, I've accomplished this, that, the other thing. Therefore, I am better than you because you haven't accomplished this, that, and the other thing. And now we're going to fight because I said you didn't accomplish this, that, and the other thing. So, but he delivered it well. It was fine. The, the match was utterly rotten mm. <laughs> once mm. it got in the ring. And that doesn't speak well for Trick, uh, actually. I mean, I, I, Baron Corbin is not Kazushka Okada or anything, but he has improved in the ring. But this match was an absolute clumsy match. And what makes me nervous for Trick is that apparently Trick needs his matches heavily choreographed or he's lost. And, you know, the matches that he's had that have been decent have probably been one where they didn't change things week to week and he had an entire week to choreograph the thing. And, and But that's not a good sign for the main roster since there's a sniveling weasel of a man who goes and tears the show up every week the day of show and changes everything around and boy you better be able to get in there and wrestle a match against somebody and trick uh as good as raw was the wrestling on nxt was well it just set it all the way back it was just a really bad in-ring show uh but uh you know corbin's promo was good like he over the past few years he has been it's stuck with these bad characters, but he's, he's at least done his job in that he has improved in the ring. Like I said, his matches aren't great, but they're a hell of a lot better than they were. I would be very curious if they brought back for that one night, the next big and uh, NXT paper, I guess, great American bash, right? If they had him on there and they actually did the spotlight and the lone wolf thing, if that crowd would remember it because it's a very different crowd than the one that would go to full sale for you know baron corbin when they would count the seconds off before when he was beating everybody in 10 or 12 seconds and uh but there there is a nostalgia thing they might 
might want to tap into once for a premium event or something for Baron Corbin with that lone wolf thing, because as, as, as odd as it sounds, that was pretty over when he was first starting to win those matches uh, quickly, that, that Baron Corbin stuff, the lone wolf was working uh, for a while there. And so I would be curious to see them do that again. It's a nice little, uh, throwback because when I first started watching NXT, Corbin was one of the people that was just coming up. And, uh, he was also the main event of the first NXT show I ever saw live. He challenged Finn Balor for the title when they came to Austin here. So, uh, I do associate Corbin with NXT in a way that I don't with everybody else that with, with everybody else that comes through, there's some idea. So seeing him back on, uh, on the, the, uh, the, uh, yellow and black was entertaining and, uh, you know, again, yeah, a pretty solid promo by the guy. And uh, hopefully he can have a little bit better match with uh, a little bit better worker going forward. Yeah, that match was very rough on Tuesday. I was like, mm, this is not very good. And as you said, for Trick Williams, so I really enjoy on the microphone. Listen, yeah. when you get called up to the main roster, things will change on a fly and you got to adjust and you have no yeah. time to practice or rehearse to do much anything. You got to be able to improvise and do stuff that is not choreographed, that is not pre-planned. And that is his yeah. system mentality of NXT. It's got to get broken up somehow. The monotony, it gets too familiar and you get very comfortable and you have to break that bad habit on the main roster it would not benefit him at all he's got talent on the microphone i've seen growth from him but as you said is very practiced and it's it's not going to take you very far on the main roster as for baron corbin i miss a lone wolf he can't grow the hair back unfortunately no that's no, that not you're right that's no you're you're absolutely right that's that ship has sailed hasn't it yes. unless you wanted to do a cane thing <laughs> We are not encouraging that because I would not buy those hair plugs at all. <laughs> but in no, terms of right. presentation, like when he was on NXT years ago, it was everything. The lighted entrance, the yeah. music, he was charismatic. The women loved him for reasons. They kind of did. And I remember him teaming with Samoa Joe during the Dusty Cup. They were a really good tag team during that tournament. So he has moments of where you can see this guy has potential to be really good, but the main roster has not been kind to him in terms of bad gimmicks and booking and Ooh. getting that go-away heat. But here in this moment, you do see he does have value in the microphone and a character that can connect if given a fair shot. But Scott, you know, we saw this coming. We talked about it on the show and we reviewed a few NXT throwback shows and seen Corbin in his lone wolf glory. Your take on his return to the black and gold brand and telling people, put some respect on my name, even though I haven't won a match until now. So <clears throat> I'm probably one of the few people who's probably enjoyed Baron Corbin. Like I think Baron Corbin serves his job exactly how he's supposed to. He's supposed to be this over the top, annoying heel. And I, was he over pushed during, you know, when he was feuding with Seth Rollins over the title and all that? Yeah, he absolutely never, you know, he should be a guy that has a match on Raw for the title, but not multiple pay per views. And then you start teaming up with Lacey Evans and mixed tags. Now, he did get to hit the end of days on Becky Lynch, which is an all timer, all time moment. Great moment. Love that. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's always served his purpose really well. Like he, He's always serviceable in the ring. No, he's not going to put on the best match, but he's always going to put on a, a solid match. He's a good, bigger guy that can get beat. Um, Drew McIntyre was able to get a little something by kick. I still don't think he should have kicked out of it, but the end of days, that meant something for a while. Like So I think Corbin's solid, man. He's a solid big man. 
I I think this is a good move for him being back down to NXT, and I like the fact that his character beforehand when he turned heel was that he hated all the indie stars that were coming in. You know, that was the big thing with him and Austin Aries and all those other guys. He would target them because they were getting all this attention and taking the attention from him because they were the indie stars and he didn't like that. So I like the fact that now he's the, he's the veteran who's come back and is like, yo, who are you guys? Y'all like, I'm, I'm going to make sure this next crop of, you know, people who come up, y'all going, y'all going to know what it is to be, you know, to go through the fire like I had to. So I, I like the character progression and it makes sense for the way he had to come through in NXT and had to earn everything and had to scratch and claw. Now he's going to come back and make sure all of them do it. And he's disgruntled, disgruntled vet. I, I like it, man. I'm, I'm here for it. And I think you could absolutely do something like that for uh, a special entrance for him. I don't know if the crowd will remember it, but the crowd will absolutely react to the entrance because it's a cool entrance. And I think he would, get a strong reaction for it and you know Carmelo Hayes is going to do something special for his entrance that's just what he does so I would go ahead and give Corbin that too and I I think once you change the music like I don't mind the Pat McAfee look he's got going on with the shorts in the tank I'll take that over the uh I'll take that over him looking like he about to serve us some a plate of cheddar biscuits at Red Lobster so you gotta you gotta take what you can get when it comes to that but I I think Corbin's solid man he I've I've been a fan of his for a while. I I like what he brings to the table. I like him too, to a point. Not gonna lie. Um, let's not bring back the Applebee's fit from five years ago because those were choices. He could give me two for twenty, and I would like do you know pause. I don't need all of that. But that's what he was serving back then. But I got to shout out my boy, Elio Dragunov, for not backing down from Baron Corbin on NXT. He was ready for a fight. Still had bruises from like, what, eight or nine days ago against Dijak. Like, this dude just takes so much punishment and pain, but I love him for it. And then the best thing that happened for Ilya was that he was attacked backstage by Braun Breaker. And you know how I feel about Braun and strong style matches or British strong style matches against guys like Dragunov and Talibate. Dragunov and Braun Breaker, give that to me because that would be absolutely glorious. And Braun would have one of his best matches ever because Ilya is going to bring it out of him every single time. But to my brother Braun, before we move on, I'm going to need you to lay off the tanner. You okay? called him a brother, too. I know that was intentional. <laughs> you called him my brother, Brian. I know what you know what you about to do. I'm not scared <laughs> my, to say anything. My brother, Brian. You a brother in name only. I need you to lay off that tan, honey. Lay off the tan. <laughs> I don't know where the shrug of beard came from either. But... um, it's, it's getting Hogan-esque, isn't it? It's getting very Hogan-esque. That's not a good thing, by the no. way. It's very bad. No. Very no, we, bad we, we called him the Orange Goblin, for the love of God. That's <laughs> it's, it's, it's borderline, because I'm like, wow, when did Braun become Dominican? <laughs> that, that man lived in Florida, and y'all wondering why this man tan. <laughs> Like he he lives at the beach, and y'all wondering why he's so tan. Hey, now 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 listen. Let's not forget. This is the same Braun Breaker who was able to walk up in a barber shop and have all the barbers and the people in there scared. <laughs> let's not forget it's the same Braun Breaker. So it's got to be something there, right? He shook the whole barber shop and still got his fade. 
I would love to know what barbershop he did that in, because I'm going to tell you, it ain't no black barbershop that I've ever got my hair cut in. <laughs> the outcome would be very different. He shook the entire barbershop. We will never forget that. But I'm going to have to tell him to lay off the Florida sun just a little bit. Okay? My brother. <laughs> Please. You don't see Cora Jade? <laughs> they both, they, they having a competition. Oh my God. Y'all need to stop. Stop it right now. Because yeah, Cora, Cora is getting tanner and tanner every week, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's absolutely like she is, she looks completely different from when she debuted and took that dive from the top of the cage that nobody remembers. Uh, but you do, Scott. So you're a liar. <laughs> Look how you lie to yourself. Nobody remembers, but I do. We talked about it right here on the wrap nearly two years ago, but no one remembers. But Scott has crystal clear vision. I wonder why. <laughs> mm. She didn't have the stick yet. She had the stick yet, <laughs> but you remember yet. though. I remember when the stick came, mm. September seventeenth, two thousand twenty-two. Now let me stop. Holy crap! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm playing. I don't know when that happened. I don't know. No, that the, date's the Scott, very Scott specific. Need say, Scott needs to say one hundred yards away from Cora by legally. <laughs> is that? Oh my god! That no, if I no, Google I'm that, a, is something going to come up, Scott? You can talk. I'm, to a, us. I'm a couple states away. Okay. Um, that was weirdly specific. <laughs> and right on the tip of his tongue, too. Um, first date first date that came to mind there's no possible way it's the correct one i don't <laughs> if know I Google that. that and it's correct you're gonna fall over sideways aren't you um we need to move on quickly because that was a little bit too on the nose and if you're not lying yeah we got to control this right now Mm-mm. not right, the exact Scott, date. Place for you. we're gonna find out what that date was but i'm pretty i don't even think that was a tuesday <sighs> You're not helping yourself, sir. You're not helping your case. No. Moving on now. Because <laughs> Scott's in trouble on this show. As we segue to the Creed Brothers versus a schism and a six-person tag team match. And I enjoyed this match for the most part because I love Diamond Mind. I love Julius, obviously. Cheddar Biscuits all day long i enjoy brutus ivy has improved a lot and they as a trio were very good together and julius you know dude the suplex the kip-ups that's his jam the standing moonsault out of nowhere this guy he's got next you can tell he's got next and i love that for him so much she's so good brutus is coming along nicely and ivy has her moments as well and i got a shout out with fowler and jagger reed because you know they've ready to go they're done but they're putting in the work still delivering in every way and i enjoy that to be lifted up continuously by both creeds and the blood rushing to your head that's insane to take that spot over and over and over again but let's get to as steven mentioned some very rough aspects of nxt in the ring so once ava and ivy got in the ring together lord this was a struggle bus this was not very good everything they did looked off and i'm not blaming ivy this comes down to ava and she's been in the system for a while but she's been injured a lot at the time but you would expect some modicum of progress and growth and i have not seen it yet she's very tentative in the ring 
and it shows. She has moments, but they're fleeting at best. And somehow, some way, she wins the match by using a loaded mask to knock out Ivy to pick up the win for her team. Good for her. But the fear is you're leading to Ivy versus Ava in a singles match. And that is very scary, even with some choreography, even with some pre-laid out practice. Mm. I'm worried about this, Scott. Very, very worried. Very good six-person tag team match until the finish when it came down to Ava and Ivy now. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I um, I zoned out during this match. This, I mean, we've seen it before. Like, we've, I feel like I've seen this combination somehow, some way, the last two months. And maybe I haven't, but that's just how it feels um, when the, you know, when the gentlemen were in there, I thought they did their thing. Julius does his thing, but the, the more he does it, when he, when you start doing this stuff weekly, the special stuff weekly, it's now becoming expected. So now I need to see you suplex both of them and then kip up like, at, you know, like, so don't, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't know if he should be doing every single one of his moves in his repertoire every week, you know, especially when they're all special, just do one. That's all you need to do, especially in a six person tag match. That's when you, you do one big move and then you get out and then we just kind of go tag team moves, but that could just be me. The match was fine. Um, The rock got canceled. No black Adam potentially got canceled. Young rock got canceled. Him as a father is being canceled. Oh my goodness. That's just, that's just Dwayne. Well, as as, um, Do- as Dominic will tell us, it's this is all the fault of the Rock because he was out working and not. Dominic's not why, surprised. He's that's not surprised. why Ava's struggling so much. Her dad's not there twenty four hours a day, as all children want their parents there twenty four hours a day. Yeah, you know, so that's what we wanted, there's right? there's that. And Ava got the win. I I I just yeah, it happened. That's all I got. Scott said it, it existed. And he's not wrong. And he's not wrong because they've had this match a lot on TV lately. It has happened a lot on NXT. He's not wrong. I still enjoy it. It was very fun with the Ivy mix in there with her working with Julius and Brutus. I enjoyed that dynamic a lot because we don't see it very often with them. But it does get monotonous. I'm not going to lie. But Julius is so good. Like I'm just compelled and drawn to him because I know he's going to be something big very soon. But Ava... She's not ready for prime time. And when she's ready, I hope that she can gain the confidence to know that she can do this. But I don't want a rush job. And I feel like right now it's still very early in the game that she should be probably on level up, working the coconut circuit to try to get better because I don't see a lot of progress right now. She's a very good talker in terms of her personality with the schism backstage, but in terms of being a wrestler, not so much right now. And it's going to take some time. And I hope they're not going to rush the process with her. You can find your way. It's just not happening for her right now. And as for The Rock being the worst father of the year, he's taken some major L's as of late to the point he called up Vin Diesel and said, you know what, homie, are you hiring? I'll come back home. I'll do Fast 13. I'm down for it. And hey, you got to do your PR somehow, some way to rehab what's been a very rough stretch for Dwayne in terms of box office hits, which have been very few and far between for him and Young Rock getting canceled head-to-head with SmackDown was a death knell, but on top of that, like, the casting for the third season of Young Rock outside of of Becky Lynch being Sidney Lauper, 
my God, community access could do better, but I'm going to leave all of that alone. Steven, (laughs) your take on the Creed Brothers and Ivy Now versus the schism with Ava just not being all the way there yet as a worker. Yeah, you and you two pretty much said everything that needs to be said about that particular match itself. The issue is really what on earth is WWE doing putting these people in a position to fail like this? Like you said, she should be working the opening match of the coconut circuit every night and doing eight to 10 minutes and just learning how to work a wrestling match and how to make something look decent. You cannot tell me that she worked out at the performance center on Monday and they said, Oh yeah. All right. That looks pretty good. We can have her in a match tomorrow night. You can't tell me that that stuff looked good Monday. And then suddenly on Tuesday, she froze up. That's not what happened here. They put her out there knowing she wasn't ready and just said, well, you only have to do a few things. No, teach her the few things then first, for the love of God. You know, we saw this with Last Legend and, and uh, Carmen, uh, Carmen San Diego. you know, Electra Lopez, when she was doing that whole gimmick there, where she was dressed like Carmen San Diego. But uh, and we saw one of the worst matches that has ever been on national television with those two. And it wasn't because they were untalented or anything else and they both had their struggles and they're not coming along but nevertheless those that match was just they just shouldn't have been on television and ava rain shouldn't have been on television on tuesday and why put them on there because no matter what happens with ava rain for a good while now we're gonna remember this and that's gonna be the first impression of ava rain the rock's daughter someone who can talk someone who does have some charisma on the microphone she just needs to learn how to wrestle. But why have everybody's first impression being, oh, God, you remember when it was she did that garbage with Ivy Nile? And, and Ivy Nile is good, but no one could have helped her in that. And so there's a real issue here where you've got the coconut circuit. Don't tell me there aren't other people on this show. You could have had her on the outside of the ring and Nile in the corner of Diamond Mine and it could have been almost the same match really. Cause it's not like Ava was able to do much of anything. Have her hit one of the creeds with the loaded mask and have them get pinned. If you want to put her over as a heel, you know, that's, I mean, you don't have to just put her in there to fail and set her up to fail. Now everyone's just going to remember how bad she looked in her first match for a good while. It's going to take a while to erase that. It really hasn't erased from either lash or uh, Lopez really. And it's, it's it it makes my head spin because I, I don't understand why they think it's a good idea to just throw them out there when they don't know what they're doing yet. How does that benefit anybody? It made Nile look bad because she had to sell bad looking stuff. It made Rain look bad. It benefited absolutely nobody. And I just don't understand why they keep doing that. And it's one thing to do it once and say, oops, okay, well, we, we learned from that. We're not going to do it again. They're not learning from it. They're just still doing it. That's concerning. It really is. You think it'd be a lesson learned at this point, but they're still making the same mistakes over and over again. And you do sense in some cases they pull back on Lash in the ring. Thank goodness for that. Let her lean into her personality. You see Jakara Jackson leaning into the personality, not doing much in the ring right now. With Ava Rain, we know who she is, but let her find her way off television working matches get the reps in and then when she's ready let's go out there and do it because like you said it's a lasting impression that will stay with you for a very long time i've seen miraculous turnarounds in wwe tiffany stratton is a key example yes 
of someone that I was like, girl, you ain't ready. But then she got ready because she got better. And you go in the lab and you improve. I hope that happens for Ava. But we know these expectations are heightened because of who her father is. But she has to be able to step outside of that and find her way. And that goes to the coaching to help her find her way preferably Mm -hmm. on the road and not on TV. If you're going to have her on TV, let her be a character. That's okay. Because she does have charisma in that department. But in the ring right now, it's not there. And it's also the ring rust. She hasn't had the time. She's been hurt the last couple of years. She's not going to be ready just like that. And when you're just adding pressure on top of pressure, it leads to moments like this that we can't forget. And we have to talk about it. And I don't want to. But when you give me this, we got to talk about it for good or for bad. And, and it's just a matter of when you're going on national television, it's always the same. You try to emphasize strengths and hide weaknesses. And WWE, not only NXT, but NXT has been the most egregious offender of this, have done the opposite over and over again. And they have just put people in there that can do one thing and say, well, you're not doing that. You're going to do the thing you're not good at. And it makes no sense. It's, it's, it doesn't help the show. It doesn't help the character. And uh, you're right. Stratton has overcome it. Maybe Ava will be uh, one of those. It's possible, but you know, that boy, long way to go. Very long way to go. And we'll see her progress on TV very, very imminently as this will continue for the foreseeable future. And to end the show of NXT, we have to talk about the 20 woman battle way out to determine who will be Tiffany Stratton's next opponent for the NXT women's championship. This battle royale was really not good. And mm. I was like, whoa, wow, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a very green roster of inexperienced women. And I was floored when Roxanne Perez is basically a non-factor. And I guess she's feeding with Blair Davenport. That's great for her. Get her out of Florida. Because if she's had a run as champion, if you're not going to belt her anytime soon, move her to the main roster at this point. That's all I'm asking. Well, let me just say this. While we're talking about that battle royal, which was a good segue from the conversation about the ladies and the improvement that they have or have not showed, um, Dana Brooke is somebody who uh, has been putting in that work on main event, our own Paul Fontaine from Fight Game Media. He, uh, you know, he watches a lot of wrestling and he watches all those matches and he's someone who has specifically pointed her out in a couple of her matches on main event. Uh, the last three, the crowd, you know, we could, you know, the match wasn't good, but the crowd acted like the match was a freaking top tier Royal Rumble match the way that they went crazy for Thea Hale. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there are, there are some bright spots in this. And one of the issues is of course that, and it goes to the Blair Davenport character. The one, one of the things that gave her the gimmick that they're working on is they had a rash of severe injuries, like ACL tear after ACL tear. And with some women who are pretty good, like Nikita Lyons was getting over and was doing well, injured out for months. Sol Ruka, a little bit too early to tell, but injured out for months. And they lost some depth. They lost some depth there. So some of these women maybe weren't going to get this spot uh, as of a couple of months ago, but ended up being pushed into it because they, someone has to fill the, someone has to fill in when somebody gets hurt and they might not have been quite ready yet. So we are seeing a little bit more greenage than we normally would, but there are women who have shown like, absolutely with Roxanne Perez the, for her to be a non-factor. Heck, uh, 
you know, you know, JC Jane was part of this thing and she was a factor in it, but you know, it, there were others in there that have had pushes and have been part of the mix that were just treated like absolute afterthoughts. And it's, it, that was pretty puzzling. And there was the tag team, uh, Ulisa Leone and Valentina Feroz were actually doing fairly well and they were, they were green, but they were improving week to week and they seem to have been forgotten about. So, you know, there, there are ways they can go here. And, uh, but what we saw were a lot of people that maybe wouldn't have been in this position had this rash of injuries not happen. Uh, I'm sure that's a factor in it too. And hopefully those women can come back from their injuries and be part of the mix again, because I think Nikita Lyons has a ton of potential and, you know, Ruka, maybe we, we never really got a chance to find out, but they certainly thought she did. Uh, but, you know, again, you get one of those injuries and you're on the shelf for a good minute and it means, uh, you know, next person up. And what we saw was that uh, there are people there that are several steps down from, from that list of injured people. You know, you, you mentioned that Gigi, uh, Gigi, Gigi Dolan. Dolan, another one that was just in and out. and no, nothing. Yeah. And she just won the feud essentially with JC Jane. Like when this big cage match with the weapons last week and she just gets eliminated by Kiana James. Like there's another one, like nobody, like at least when you do these battle Royals on the main roster, like somebody is at least trying to stand out. Somebody will have a good showing. Nobody yeah. stood out. Nobody had a good showing. Like, and and you and we talk about Roxanne. She's probably the best worker in the match, and she's gone early. So it's kind of like, why wouldn't you keep your better workers in there toward like towards the end just to keep things moving around? And don't even get me started on the Blair Davenport thing because one, why wasn't she in the match? And then two, old girl just is like, yeah, oh, you're out. Okay. Let me go ahead and eliminate myself too for no reason no. instead of well, trying to win the match. No, and yeah, exactly. And the the, the thing is, you could have left Roxanne Perez in that thing until the final four, right? And then have Blair Davenport come over and screw her over. Then, you know that, and then it means something. I was exactly. close to that shot. You know, I was close to that shot. You little rat, what are you doing here? You know, and uh, you know they already did the thing where Blair's allegedly the one that's injuring all these people. So it. it it would have worked, you know, that would have been fine. But even so, like, you know, Cora Jade, God knows they've been pushing Cora Jade and things. And that was part of it, but didn't really do anything to make her particularly. Sh no one shined in this thing. Like no one had a bunch of really impressive. It's like no work was put into it. Nobody thought just to, to lay it out and say, OK, let's this person isn't going to win, but we're going to give them a little bit of shine here. So they come out of it looking a little better. It was just, no, just everybody go in and just fall over the top rope eventually at some point. It, it just didn't, it helped nobody except Hale. And that, and that did help her. And it'll be a boost for Hale to get the title shot because she hasn't really been in that position before. It'll be okay for Stratton because she can have a successful title defense. So no complaints there about Thea and no complaints about her getting the shot at Stratton. And God knows the people love Thea Hale. She's, you know, in more dire need of decaf than anyone in wrestling, but you can't help but root for her. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it just seems like there were so many missed opportunities in that match to just make someone, anyone look good. I am back. I love this discourse. I don't disagree with anything. I think that Roxanne Perez broke me as that to attend to a family <laughs> matter ever so briefly. Okay. But what I was saying was before I left was that she needs to get out of Florida at this point. I'm kind of done with this. You have a good feud against Blair Davenport, but get her out of Florida. She's above this now. The Gigi Dolan elimination, as you guys mentioned earlier, like she won the feud 
last week in a weaponized steel cage match. And she's a non-factor in this battle royal. Like, what are we doing? Then my girl, Lyra Vakiria, she's a non-factor. Like, what are we doing here? Like, these are people that could actually be meaningful in your division, but they're getting eliminated just randomly for no reason in terms of, wow, this doesn't matter. And then Thea Hell wins. I'm very happy for her. Decaf ain't going to help Steven. It, it's just simply not. She's going to be hyped up for life. It I is who it. she I, is. I, I'm, I'm on team Thea here. I, I do enjoy her performances, that character. I, I get a kick out of it, just like the crowd does. There's, there's just something endearing about her. She is a living, breathing Saturday Night Live character. Yeah. She yeah, really right. is. She's giving yeah. Shara Terry. She's morning perk. She's a cheerleader all rolled into one. <laughs> and I love that. Sherry, is that your daughter? I need to know because she is absolutely spectacular in this yeah. role. But also smile too. that little sketch they did where Duke Hudson met her outside of Charlie Dempsey's MMA uh, studio, you know, where she comes out of there and she's beat to hell because she'd been stretched by those guys. And her whole thing was like, I'm kicking your ass tomorrow. You know, like just the way she delivers, it's funny. <laughs> her facial expression's funny. And she makes you smile. And then, you know, in the ring, she's not awful. I'm not saying she's there yet, but you know, there's, there's athletic talent there too. So you can make something out of her. She reminds me a lot of Billy Kay. She just maximizes her moments as a character on screen and I love that. But low-key, Duke Hudson, when he came out there, he did the most lethargic golf clap in celebration you ever will see. Like, he couldn't believe it. He was kind of mad that she won, but he was there to celebrate anyway. We have Dempsey and we got Gulek out there being very stoic. I love Charlie Dempsey. Like, he is William Regal's son through and through the stoicism is everything like he is the only guy from buckhead that where i know he's a brit on the side like come on rep the a all the day like dude just come on come through represent buckhead bridge style i love that for him but this match all in all was not very good and thea was the highlight when it was her turn to win and now she will face tiffany stratton for the next two women's championship it should be very good We'll see how it goes, but this match in terms of everything outside of a couple of eliminations, choices, not good choices at that. Well, it's been puzzling with NXT lately, just with the, some of the decisions and especially the execution of some of these things it just makes you scratch your head, makes you scratch your head and makes you wonder if the right guy's in charge there, because you could excuse it when it was Bruce Pritchard and Johnny Ace and Vince McMahon. They, well, we know those guys don't know anything anymore and that they still think it's the late 1990s and all that. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to give Sean that kind of slack. I, he's 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 not one of Vince's buffoons. He's Hunter's buffoon. <laughs> and there and he's he needs to do better than this. Definitely. He's great in some areas and some I'm like, mm, we gotta work on some things, HPK. Just not feeling right now. But he'll find his way. He normally does. And hopefully this was just a blip on the radar. But mm, this was not the best NXT in terms of in ring action. This was very low level developmental. And that's not good when you're trying to make this an equal brand two on SmackDown with all these crossovers taking place as of late. And I will be remiss by not mentioning that Braun Breaker did the biggest call out to date, calling out Seth Rollins for a shot at the World Heavyweight Championship. And if Seth shows up in Florida, these fans, mm. they might die from they excitement. Might. That would be pretty cool. That would be a pretty cool moment if he walks out there. The first NXT champion coming back as the World Heavyweight Champion, even though that belt is 
meaningless, but uh, the idea that he's the number one guy on Raw, as he has been one of the number one guys in the company for a while, coming back to NXT, it, it was pretty cool. There was... I. And just a, as an anecdote, uh, I when I saw one of the NXT takeovers in San Antonio, it was when Seth had rebelled against Triple H and Stephanie and was uh, doing his little babyface run after being the, you know, the chosen one when, you know, Triple H gifted him the title, so to speak. I don't know if you remember that feud going way back. And he ended up wrestling Triple H at WrestleMania. And he showed up in, at that takeover to torment uh, Triple H, who was, of course, you know, doing his usual role as the the uh, the guy in charge of NXT. I don't know if he was ever officially general manager or whatever. But we everyone knew the Triple H was involved, and so he ran into the ring uh, in a hoodie and took off the hoodie at at an NXT show. Place went berserk. Place went absolutely berserk, and that was a few years ago. And he's just main evented, main evented, main evented since. If he were to come back to the performance center in there, yeah, that that roof would no longer be in the same location once he uh, once they get a load of him. And I hope they do it. I think it would be an exciting moment for a show that could use something like that. It would be a nice jolt, and the roof would be in South Beach by the time yeah. he's done with him. Yeah, it would be pretty cool. It'd be a great moment, and I would love that for him. So hopefully that happens very soon. And another best match ever for Braun, if that comes to pass, Dragunov, Seth Rollins, bring it, because those could be back-to-back bangers for Breaker, who is on the cusp of getting ready for the main roster as a top-tier star. Just lay off the tanner, honey. Just lay off the tanner, and we're good to go, my brother. I'm just saying. My brother. <laughs> <laughs> As we segue to, speaking of brothers, let's talk about Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. Ah, there's a nice segue. I like that one. That was smooth, wasn't it? Gotta say, it was mm-hmm. pretty smooth as we get into some bloodline drama once again. So we have Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa come out there, and Jay immediately comes out to a great babyface pop, and he tells Solo, listen, what you don't do is kick your brother in the face, our older brother at that, the one that came out the room first. I ain't going to forget that or forgive it. And he's ready to hear what the wise man's got to say. And Paul Heyman, ever the manipulator, ever the finesser, is basically saying, listen, Jay, we want you in the bloodline. We love you. We value you. And besides, this was all Jimmy's doing. Like he was the one that pulled the trigger at Night of Champions. He was the one that got into this argument with Roman on SmackDown last week. He was the one that kept pushing and pushing and pushing. No, you were in the cut just surveying the scene. He was the one being the aggressor. He was the one being the provocateur. So here's the deal. Jay, Roman Reigns has chosen you to one day be the tribal chief. That title one day will go to you. And Jimmy knows that and he resents you for it because it will never be him. He will never be at the head of the table. And to facilitate this tonight, here is a match of a lifetime for you, Jay. Main event, Jay Uso. You will have an opportunity to face Austin Theory for the United States Championship. And if you win, you too will be a champion, just like the Tribal Chief. Your first step towards being in his position someday, very soon. All you have to do is join us, shake my hand, say yes, and we're good to go. And Jay mows over the offer. And he's leaning one way or the other. And he basically tells Paul, wow, what a great opportunity. 
I'll get back to you. He curves a handshake. He walks away and the fans cheer. Then we have later on in the show, Sami Zayn talking to him, letting him know this is a big decision for you. I know what it's like to be in your position of doing everything for the bloodline, bending over backwards, trying to keep the family together. But at some point you realize that you're being used, that you are being forced to do things you don't want to do, that you're, for, you're forced to pick your cousin over your blood brother. And I was in that same position. Picking my family over Roman was very difficult, but I did so. And I was better off for it. Here's your chance, whether you join them or not. You can be a champion tonight, but you can be a champion on your own terms. You ain't got to bend over to be a part of the bloodline. And that was a lot for Jay to consider. And I just love it. It's the best storyline in wrestling today. And Jay played it cool by refusing to shake Paul Heyman's hand in the ring or backstage later in the show. Cause Jay offered a threat to Paul basically saying that if I'm, if I'm at the end of the table, if I'm the tribal chief, Hey Paul, you ain't going to be here no more. And that scared Paul a little bit, but I loved all of this heading into the main event. But Scott, your take on all of this involving Jay solo, Paul and Sammy. I thought Paul was great. Uh, the only person who's better at gaslighting than Paul Heyman is Roman Reigns. Uh, Jay was fantastic. He again, he's showing off exactly why I'm starting. I feel more and more comfortable thinking the storyline is going to pay off with him eventually beating Roman Reigns, whether it's for the title or not. But he's he's going to pin Roman Reigns at some point. This is um. I mean, it's a, it's a great story going another chapter, another layer. Um, if I had to guess, we're probably middle of the fifth, I'm assuming at this point, maybe middle of the fifth, top of the fifth, uh, around there. But uh, yeah, great story. Sammy is still um, an intricate part of the story because he is when the foundation started to crumble. So I like that they're keeping him around him playing the good angel, the Paul Heyman's bad angel on the corner on the on the shoulders of Jey Uso. Um, so yeah, good continuation of the story. Top of the fifth, a baseball reference there. Wow. <laughs> He's been going <laughs> to some flying squirrels games. Hey, shout out, <laughs> shout out to the squirrels, man. I don't know if they flying or how high, but they they we got squirrels out here in Richmond. <laughs> They're gliding in the air with their little wings. Looking like bootleg Rocky and Bullwinkle combo, little knuckles action. Shout out to Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> For those that don't know, that was a classic way back when. It was an animated movie back in the early 2000s. For those that don't remember, it's still relevant. We love them. And the Russians apparently causing trouble. But hey, that was our jam way back when. But yeah, this is still a very good storyline. We're keeping with the baseball analogy because we are in the middle of the fifth. At one point, it was like when the third inning, like, come on, let's move this game along. It's been going on for almost three years now, but this next chapter is really intriguing and it will come down to Jay eventually pinning Roman either for the championship or in a match randomly. And that is going to be a moment in WWE because Roman's going to eat a pin eventually and it could happen at the hands of main event Jay Uso. But Steven, your take on the segment that kicked off SmackDown on Friday night and Jay possibly, maybe going for his first title match solo style against Austin Theory for the U.S. Championship. 
Well, I enjoyed the segments a lot. Like you said, the performances have been very strong in this whole thing from Heyman trying to tempt Jay with uh, the promise of riches in the future if you stay and dump your brother and it's just your brother's fault. Anyway, I like that he said, did, did did Jimmy talk to you in advance about all these things that he's been doing that affect your life? And, you know, no, I guess he hasn't. You know, that type of thing. Uh, just driving that wedge. I think we might even see Jimmy versus Jay once in the middle of all this. But I think this is headed for the Usos against Solo and Roman before we do Solo versus Roman, which I think is where this whole thing is ultimately going. My my thought on it is anyway that the the end game is Roman and Solo Sokoa. But there also had the whole thing with Jimmy accidentally super kicking Jay just to make Jay think real hard about uh, who's on whose side here. And of course, AEW just did this with Mark Briscoe with FTR, where one of the members of FTR was blinded and they uh, ran into Mark Briscoe in the ring and pile drove him, not realizing that it was Mark and all this. I think it'll likely have the same result where Jay will end up doing the quote unquote right thing and, and going with his brother against Roman and solo for a bit before Roman eventually drives solo crazy and things. So I'm in for this. It's been years, as you said, but they have found ways to keep this fresh and keep it interesting. So at this point, it's the one storyline in WWE that I have faith in that it's going to pay off and will go somewhere, mostly because, as we've talked about before, it's mostly Paul Heyman and and less Vince McMahon involved in in designing this whole angle. And with that, I have a little bit more faith in it. And because I have that faith in it, I'm willing to invest in it emotionally when I'm watching it. And I really enjoy everything. It, it, they've made it so complicated for everyone, all of these characters. It's, it's complicated for Jay. It's complicated for Jimmy. And everyone is acting in their own character's best interest, but in a way that makes sense. They're, they're, I've thought about this angle a lot, and there are very few holes in it. They've, they've really thought it out well, and it, it's paid off time after time. And I think these matches, once they hit with these guys clashing in the ring, probably going to be really good matches too, because they're going to be highly motivated to make sure they are. They, they, they don't want to be seen as, yeah, this is fun, but it's not as good as the Sammy and Kevin stuff. And you know, they're, they're going to say, Oh no, 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 it's, it's just us. It's just the family here. And we're going to tear the house down every night. I think they're going to be highly motivated and I think it's going to pay off and I'm looking forward. Me too. I mean, this is the best storyline in wrestling. I mean, it has so oh, many yeah. layers and twists and turns to it that you don't know what's going to happen next. And everybody's played their part so well, solo. Let's not forget sent by the elders, never picked by Roman Reigns to be a part of the bloodline. That is a storyline thread to remember for a very long time. How does he feel about Jay succeeding the bloodline in terms of being the tribal chief? Like Solo says, I was picked. Roman didn't pick me. The elders did. So maybe I'm next in line as the tribal chief. So all of that interplay is so good and so much fun. And leave it to Sammy somehow, some way to break Jay ever so slightly backstage because he has a hard time keeping a straight face whenever he's near Sammy. It's adorable. Yeah. I, I yeah the the breaking of, of of character is never going to get old and uh it's always going to be something to keep an eye on whenever those those people that combination is together because solo be, you got to watch solo too because he be having to cover his mouth as well whenever he's on screen with them yes he's 
the one that can hold it the best, but even he must cover his face at times because Sammy just finds a way to break him whenever they're near each other in scenes. But I want to quickly shout out a very good match on SmackDown this past Friday between Sessions Escobar and Mustafa Ali in a qualifying match for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Love the action. Some crazy spots. Hurricanrana by Ali to Santos on the steps was nasty. We had Ali landing a missed drop kick on Santos on the outside as well, but it came down to Escobar landing an avalanche phantom driver on Ali to score the win. And we got two members of the LWO in the Money in the Bank ladder match, Zelina and Santos. And all I asked for, guys, was for the LWO to be booked strongly to get wins. And look what happens. They're booked strongly, they're getting wins, and they're in Money in the Bank. Yeah, and the crowd's reacting to them. Go figure. If you book them where they don't look like idiots all the time and you let them wrestle, they actually will get over. Right? Lo and behold, I mean, they, there's too much talent in that group with Escobar and and the others uh, to just twist in the wind. And, you know, Zelina Vega has her ups and downs in the ring. Uh, of course, that moment in Puerto Rico, no one will ever forget. But the uh, seeing the LWO treated like something other than jobbers is uh, – something that's very gratifying to me just because I, I find uh, those guys uh, to be uh, really talented. So I'm, I'm thrilled for Escobar and uh, I hope it's a bit of a boost for him. And I, I don't think he's going to win money in the bank. I, I think that that uh, briefcase is going to end up with somebody who we don't even know is in the match quite yet. And uh, that's my guess. But uh, I, I, I do think that uh, he's going to be one of the highlights of that match because the things that man can do with a ladder will probably uh, lead to some terrific moments in that uh, Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Agreed. I love that. All I care about was some wins for them, and it's happening. You sell T-shirts, book them accordingly. They're over as a faction, and it's good to see. And Ray's being a good cheerleader, kind of taking a step back. I don't need this ladder match anymore. That's good. Get your guy over. Santos needs to push a little bit more, and I love that for the crew. So may they have good success at Money in the Bank in a few weeks' time. As we segue to one of my more heated discussions on this show as of late, new championship belts. So Asuka, who was up until a couple of days ago, the Raw Women's Champion for reasons, because we did not swap the belts across brands this time. Kind of thankful for that. So because of that, we have a brand new championship commissioned to commemorate Asuka being the women's champion. And they present the belt and it's gold. And, you know, listen, I'm not a big fan of the belt designs. They're all the same. I want some, I want some originality, but I understand it. Marketing purposes, boohoo. But this belt, I have to say, white belt, gold accent looks a lot better than Roman's belt. Roman's belt for being the undisputed champion, for being the top guy, looks very cheap compared to this belt that looks as if they took some care into making it a little bit more presentable as a championship to be proud of and that you, that you would wear around your waist. So it gets a passing grade. It's not the greatest belt, but it looks cleaner than Roman's. But I'm going to give it to my fellow belt expert, Stephen, and ask him whether or not you approve or disapprove of this new women's championship belt for Asuka. Well, I'm totally confused by it. So we, I know we, like you said, we have the Raw title on SmackDown. We have the SmackDown title on Raw. It's the, the Rhea Ripley holds that one. 
But I, there was some verbiage here that was not an accident that I'm very interested in. When he, Adam Pierce being he, the uh, in his uh, figurehead role as commissioner, or commissioner or general manager, pardon me, he said, I'm presenting you as the WWE Women's Championship. And he hands her this gold belt. Then he specifically asks for the Raw title back. So is this no longer the Raw title? This is the WWE Women's Championship. Okay, if that's true, then what the hell is Rhea Ripley carrying around then? What is that then? If there's no Raw title, is it that there's no Raw title anymore? It's the WWE Women's title. Okay, then what's that? That's still the SmackDown title. We haven't addressed that. So the whole thing is just, I, 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 I don't know if they're just cycling through these so that they can recycle the merchandise and have everyone buying new belts uh, on, online at uh, WWE, shopwwe.com, as they mentioned 20 times in a, uh, an episode. But I was a little bit mystified by that as much as anything else. Like you said, this belt did look all right. I mean, I, I, I'm not a belt guy, Mark. You know, I don't really, I'm not somebody that sits around and debates which belt looks better than whatever belt. But I, I, like you said, there's such a theme to them. Like The only difference between it and the others is that this one's gold instead of red or blue. Other than that, it looks like the same thing. But I was interested in the verbiage because he did not call it the new Raw championship. He called it just the women's title. So, well, <laughs> and then we're going to get to the women's tag team thing anyway. But, uh, you know, they're doing things with that as well. But Rhea's not involved in this, and she's carrying around the SmackDown championship. And now that somebody else is just the women's champion, I, I'm very confused by all this, and they're they're not doing anything to clear it up. They're not. And I need Rhea to get a tricked out belt if we're getting tricked out belts for SmackDown. Like, let's give her a new belt. I want her carrying around that blue belt. Give her a new belt, too. Called the Women's Championship, and he, he specifically didn't call it Raw. And at first I thought, you know, oh, maybe he just skipped over that. But then he was very specific about saying, I, I'll take the Raw Women's title back. And so it, it sounds like they change, they may have changed the name of the title. Oh, God. So you're saying Rhea's going to get that red belt on Monday? Well, I don't know. And oh. if it is, if it is, is that just, are we going to have a women's title and a Raw title? That makes the Raw title sound lesser. Exactly. Let's call it the Universal Women's Championship. Why not? Yeah, a WWE Women's title and a WWE Universal title. You know, I, they, they just make it up anyway. So, I mean, we, we already had two men's titles, and now they just made up another one. And, and you know, I have it. It's confusing. It's so confusing. <laughs> I, I give up. We'll see Monday how they handle it. Because Rhea, if she has that blue belt on Monday, and it's still the SmackDown Women's Championship, I'm like, what are we doing here? Stop this right now. But Scott, your rapid fire take on the belt that was presented to Asuka on Friday. Thought the belt looked good. Uh, the white makes the gold pop off. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought the belt looked good. You can, I agree, you can easily just name it the uh, whatever Rhea is going to get the WWE universe women's universal title or the women's heavyweight title. If you want to do it that way. Um, and I honestly would not be surprised if she gets the, the portal with a white strap. Hmm. Mm, this is very possible. Cause I think it's so linear with these belts, very same Z. I get it, marketing purposes, but damn, can we get like a different design for these belts? Yeah. Give me some variety because it's big as W. Come yeah. on, I'm tired and, and, of it. And the, the verbiage is fine. If you want to make it the universal title and the women's 
championship. That's fine. I mean, they paint themselves in a quarter by calling it Raw and SmackDown anyway when they do these silly drafts that mean nothing. Because uh, obviously already people are appearing on both shows when they said that wasn't going to happen, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Uh, but it's constantly happening and things. But they paint themselves into a corner with that anyway because someone's carrying around a red belt on the blue theme show and the blue belt on the red theme show and stuff like that. So if they want to change the verbiage and make them neutral so that the title can go to either show on board, I think that's something that they should have done in the first place. They were smart enough to do it with the men's title. But uh, I'm just, I'm just really confused. What, what is, what is Rhea's that? If this isn't the raw one anymore, what does she have? What is going on? They don't, they're not, they're just not explaining that. I guess they just figure we're not paying that much attention and maybe a lot of fans aren't, but uh, we're bum fuzzled here. We are. We're very much a confusion. And on top of that, we have Bianca Belair, who's supposed to be next in line for a rematch against Asuka for this newly created WWE Women's Championship. Then Charlotte Flair comes out, looking like a figure skater once again. She returns from vacation, and she automatically says, fuck a line. I am the line. I want a shot at this championship. And not only I want the one around Asuka's waist, I want the one on the table, too. Like, so this championship is still canon? What? Yes. She says, give me that one on the table, too. No, I heard it. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying what I said when I watched it at home. I had the same reaction you did. It's like, what? Wait a minute. We just got rid of that one. That one doesn't, that one's not a thing anymore, right? What? Huh? (laughs) She's a, how many different colors they got to carry around? Gold, blue, red, purple. It's, uh, it's the Olympics. All right. And just have a green one and a yellow one. And just, <laughs> have the five rings and we can just do it that way. <laughs> at, at this point, this is where we're headed. So, yeah, Charlotte comes back. She wants all the belts. She doesn't care about waiting in line. She is the line. And Bianca Belair gave Adam Pierce a business. Like, really? This is what we're doing. And I think they're trying to facilitate a heel turn. This will backfire badly because Charlotte Flair getting another reign at the expense of Oscar and Bianca Belair would not be it. They know this, right? They have to believe this would not end well. But yeah, choices on that. But Scott, your take on Charlotte's return and her wanting all the belts in WWE. I don't care if she made the line, if she invented the line, if she cut the line, if she wanted to go to the back of the line. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't care what she does with her line. I, I don't care. <laughs> Um, the match would be good. It's all it always is. They have really good chemistry, but you know, let's not have Oscar lose another title to Charlotte Flair. That would be blasphemous. Like, but I fear that's where we're going. That's my fear and worry, and it is giving 2018 vibes of Bianca Belair doing everything that she can to maintain her position, and then Charlotte comes out out of nowhere gets a title shot and she wins and it's Becky Lynch all over again. She slaps the shit out of her and she's justified because why are you doing this to me? My so-called best friend. That's the vibe I'm getting. And if WWE thinks that Bianca will be booed for this, you're wrong because the optics don't look great. But Steven, your quick take on Charlotte Flair coming back and her figure skating outfit, wanting all the belts in WWE. It's fine if she's a heel, but I don't think they're going to try to portray her as a heel. And if they think for one second that they are going to cheer for Charlotte over either Asuka or Bianca Belair, they're out of their damn minds. It will not work. It is almost impossible to turn Bianca Belair heel right now. Too much babyface equity with the fans at this point. I'm not saying you can never do it again. That'll You always can at some point. But right now, they will cheer for her 
over anyone on the roster and especially Charlotte who the crowd already has a little resentment of because they feel similar to when Roman was a baby face that she's being pushed down their throats, which isn't always Charlotte's fault. It's the way she's presented, but it's also the way she delivers. She delivers her damn lines like a heel. She doesn't come off like a baby face. She doesn't try to come off like a baby face, but yet they keep trying to say that she is one. It's, it's, it's weird. It's like, even when, uh, it's it just uh, the way they present her is not baby faces at all. And yet they just try to say that she is one and it backfires. And then they wonder why. And it's, but if they think that they're going to cheer for Oscar over her, let alone Bianca Belair. So if they're going to try to turn one of those two, well, I mean, I guess Oscar is supposed to be a heel, but people love her. So it's just going to end up with people booing a baby face again, which doesn't really help too many people. Not at all. And they're playing a dangerous game. We'll see how it goes, but mm-mm. Charlotte Flair being over as a baby face in this situation? I don't think so. She could said return pop, but when they see through what's happening, it would not end well. And yeah. it's going to be And why do they keep mess. trying to do it? She's a terrific heel. She's a terrific heel. Just have her be a heel. They make things also difficult. They don't they do. do things she, easy. She's an excellent heel. Just let her be a heel. Mm-hmm. That's what she's good at, but they won't let her be great as a heel. She has to come back as a baby face. And it'll be fine for a while, but people will tire of it quickly and we can see why very fast. But in more championship news, something I've wanted for a very long time, we're going to have the merger of the NXT women's tag team titles and the WWE women's tag team titles. So Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler will face Isla Dawn and Alba Fire for the title for title situation in two weeks time on SmackDown and about damn time unify these belts have one floating title across all three shows the way it should have been a long time ago. And I'm good. So Scott, your take on this announcement. Yeah, I'm cool with all the titles getting uh, unified. Have one set you can you can uh, showcase some people. I don't expect Ronda to ever show up on NXT, but that would be pretty cool with the Shayna connection. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a good move. I think it's a good way to give more women more exposure. It's a good way to keep some veterans down in NXT to work with. So yeah, I'm all for it. Steven, your take on these two belts becoming one very very soon. Yeah, it's fine. At the moment, there aren't enough female tag teams in the company to carry two sets of titles anyway. So it works for me as well. And, you know, the fewer belts, sometimes the better. I think there's a lot of dilution and we don't need it. You can have one women's tag team champion go to all the shows and, you know, you're not going to have them in the middle of a huge program on all three shows anyway. They can you know, can concentrate on one for a while and concentrate on another. And, and in the meantime, they just don't have enough teams to carry all this anyhow. So it's a solid, this, this one I'm totally on board with as well. We only need one set of tag champs and they can just float around and, and that works for me too. Yeah. All right, me too as well. As we segue to our main event, a Friday Night Smackdown involving Jey Uso versus Austin Theory for the United States Championship. This match was heavy with the commercials. We go to commercial, two minutes commercial, 
two more minutes commercial, very choppy in nature. It was a good match for what we saw of it as Jey Uso had moments of glory against Austin Theory, had the win at one point until Pretty Deli comes out and they cause trouble due to a ref bump, which is commonplace in WWE these days. And then we have Jimmy Uso come out there to clean house against Pretty Deadly, super kicks them. And then we have Solo trying to deliver the Samoan spike to his brother once again. And then Jay breaks up that fight between the two brothers. But in doing so, we have Jimmy accidentally kicking Jay in the face. Solo's very happy about that. Paul is as well. And then Austin Theory, ever the snake and the weasel, worms his way back in the ring to pick up the one, two, three over Jey Uso to retain the U.S. championship. And Paul is gleeful, saying, let's call Roman Reigns. Let's get him, let's get him on the phone as Jay pushes Jimmy away. Jimmy apologized for what happened, but Jay's not hearing it right now. And he walks away from Paul and Solo too, as Jay still has a decision to make on SmackDown this upcoming Friday. Roman Reigns is back. There's going to be some kind of ceremony of Jay being groomed to be next in line as the next tribal chief for years down the road. But once again, brilliant storytelling with Jimmy excommunicated from the bloodline, but trying to keep tabs on his brother having his back, but Jay still torn between a family and his brother, Stephen. Yeah. Terrific work by everybody involved again. You know, they were good at the beginning of the show. They were good at the end of the show. So it, and it was one of the better Austin Theory matches I've seen for a minute. You're right. It was broken up by the commercial so that it's going to have a bit of a asterisk next to it over there, but it was a good match. And the intrigue as to whether or not Jay is going to accept this next head of the table position or not drags things out a week or two more. I, I think in the end he'll end up doing quote unquote, the right thing. I think the, the way the story is going is that the Usos are going to go baby face again. They might wrestle each other at least once first, you know, I can, you could make this work for a few weeks, but in the end, I think the big match is going to be the Usos against solo and Roman and with some sort of uh, additional intrigue after that, because I think this is going to roll on until we see solo versus Roman in, in singles. So the uh you know it's it's been the best thing on the show and and for a long time and it remains that way i i like that they're teasing this out a little bit and didn't just fast forward right to the usos walking away now we'll make me see jay get tempted a little bit scott had a really good point earlier about how paul is the the devil on the shoulder while Sami Zayn is the angel on the shoulder. I hope they keep that. I, I hope they keep having him run into each of those people week by week until he finally makes his big decision. Because once he makes the decision to do the right thing and stick by his twin brother against the abusive head of uh, the table and, you know, their younger brother who is perhaps a little clouded by the idea of power in the future, uh, it's going to be a huge pop. I mean, the people are aching to cheer for these guys again. They're already cheering for Jimmy. So once Jay goes that way, they're going to be over as baby faces like crazy. So it's going to be a nice moment when it finally happens. And so no, no need to rush to it. We can, we can take our time. It's going to get there. Yes, the pop in the end is going to be so worth it. It's been some great pops the bloodline this year for Sammy, Kevin Owens, Jimmy, a couple of weeks ago and out of champions. And now Jay's turn when it's time for him to turn on his cousin after nearly three years. It's been bubbling and simmering for a long time. It's going to be worth it when it finally happens on screen. But Scott, your take on the main event angle. And once again, Jay not making his decision, but a decision is coming possibly by next Friday. 
Uh, yeah, I second everything Steven just said. I want to take a minute to talk about Austin Theory and, uh, you know, talk about the this list, this this resume of names that he is putting on people that he has defeated defending this U.S. title. Um, I mean, if you just look at the names, Lashley, Edge, Cena, Jey Uso, um, Sheamus, like you, you put those names on there, you put them in a list, and you're like, that's a, that's a hell of a, a list right there of who you've defended the title against. So I, I like what they've done with Theory. I know he's not getting the attention. He's not the centerpiece. But I like what they're doing with him. I like the the connection with Pretty Deadly. I think that's a that's a good trio right there that you could they could do something with just because of their personalities. I think they it all works. So um, I know this is about the Usos as it should be. They are the centerpiece here. But Austin Theory played his role perfectly, and I think he has done a good job. And I think you know he deserves a little bit more credit for this run that he's had with the U.S. title. I would give him slight credit, but I hate to say it, but the list of people you gave of who Austin Theories be for this title to retain said championship, it feels incredibly hollow. I hate to say that. I really do. That's fair. I mean, he hasn't had a big story, so, but. Yeah, um, his his title, the the issue with that is that these title defenses never seem to happen because somebody wants the U.S. title and he overcomes them. It's because something else is going on with that challenger that ends up screwing them out of the title. So they've actually put him over a lot of people without making him look particularly strong. And that doesn't he doesn't have to beat everybody clean. He can be a heel and beat him. But it always seems like something else happens to the guy on the way there, and his U.S. title shot isn't the point. And that doesn't help theory so much it, it, it always seems like it that's the secondary thing is that oh yeah and it was during a u.s title match so which it doesn't give it the oomph that it normally would have that's my exact feeling and he's been winning in hokey fashion a win is a win but like it feels very hollow in nature and i want to like theory i've said nice things about him on this show before but i just think that he needs a bit more as a character thank you for repping the atl via your t-shirt awesome theory live Peace up, A-Town Down, like whatever. Fantastic. I almost want to claim you as an AT alien, but I can't because the booking and the presentation is a choice. And I don't believe he believes what he's saying, like John Cena said a few months ago on Monday Night Raw. I don't know the real Austin Theory yet. And that's a problem for me. And the only time I saw the real Austin Theory when he was kind of a lovable dumbass in the way three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they they have time, and they I don't see anybody taking that title off of him for the next few months. So maybe, the, but they, but you're right. He, he needs he needs a feud. He needs a challenger that actually wants to challenge him and not to get to somebody else. And if he can perform well in a a story that is about somebody wanting the U.S. title and trying to take it from him then maybe that is when he can shine a little bit and not be the other guy in the angle. Exactly. Somebody that can push him, push him as a performer, push him as a promo guy, and just get him some more layers as a character because he needs that right now more than ever. As we now go to the end of the show, it's now time for us to pick the best television match we saw on WWE television this week across Raw, SmackDown, NXT, maybe NXT level up, perhaps main event. So, Steven, 
what is the best match you saw from WWE this week? Well, I'm going to take the obvious one, Keela. It was it was Gunther and Kevin Owens, and and part of it is just because I'm I'm such a fan of both of these guys. I'm, I I look forward to any time they're in the ring together. And this match delivered. And while the you know the finish was maybe not you know the greatest with the roll up and everything, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on that because one, the action was really good, and second, this was chapter one, uh, maybe chapter two or something like that. You know, they Kevin and Sammy have been clashing with Imperium in the back. Uh, you know, kind of bad mouthing each other for a few weeks now. So obviously this is going someplace. We're going to see more of this. So it didn't have to be the definitive finish here, uh, but I enjoyed the heck out of the match. And the only thing this match did was make me want to see more of it. So it did exactly what you're supposed to do early in a feud. It just make you want to see the next uh, bit of it. So any combination of these five I'm, I'm in for, uh, I enjoyed the heck out of this match. I love the way Gunther wrestles. And like you said, the, the, a little bit of strong style there in, in North American wrestling and Kevin Owens can do just about any style uh, and and make it work. So uh, this was uh, as much fun as I had watching WWE this week. And there were some good matches this week on Raw and SmackDown. So uh, it had competition, but this one was my favorite. Fine pick, Scott. Are you going to make it two for two for your favorite match that you saw this week on WWE TV? I am not. I am going to go with Seth Rollins and Damian Priest. Um I think the Gunther Kevin Owens match was great, but the uh, the Priest Rollins one just goes a little bit further for me. I just I, I think Damian Priest. I think he really has something for him, going for him right now, and I think the crowd is really starting to appreciate what he brings to the table too, with the reactions that he's getting. So uh, I'm going with the title match. Very good pick. I love that match as well. But I'm also going to go with Gunther versus Kevin Owens from Monday Night Raw. It made me sit up, pay attention, because it was really good. One of the best TV matches you'll see on WWE TV this year. And it served in every way, left me wanting more as well. But it's really capped off outside of NXT, a really strong week of good matches across Raw and SmackDown as the road to Money in the Bay continues as we put a cap on this week's wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I want to thank Steven and Scott for joining me as always as we chop it up when it comes to all things WWE and no tuxes were needed for this show today. <laughs> no, I didn't know what to do with myself here. I didn't have my usual tuxedo on for the award show, but it was great to come here and talk to you guys. Really appreciate it. And uh, I know in a couple of weeks, my partner on Speaking of Strong Style, our show, Jeremy Feinstone, will be here. So there's a lot of New Japan and WWE crossover, and it's it's a fun time for both companies. And I'm really enjoying the product uh, on on both ways. I mean, both the New Japan stuff's been great, and WWE, like you said, they they flat out do have the best storyline in wrestling going right now. So, uh, with all that happening, uh, it was really exciting for me to come on and talk to you guys again. So, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, as always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you, Keela, Stephen. It's been too long. I'm glad you could come back and not have to hand out awards and read off the cards this time. So <laughs> that's always a pleasure. Uh, but no, this was great. Great conversation. And uh, yeah, look forward to the next time. Looking forward to it as well. Come back, Stephen, anytime. But we Thank know you. that you're booked automatically for the awards show in December. The oh, ballot. God. I love doing that show. I love doing that show. <laughs> It's our favorite show of the year. The ballot's being mailed to you as we speak. So you can start making decisions now for the next three to four months. All right. (laughs) So we'll see you in December, but hopefully sooner than that to have you back here on the show very soon. But this is this is it. 
for this week. This is a wrap for the wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Enjoy the week, everyone. We'll be back next week talking all things WWE across Raw, SmackDown, and NXT as the road to money in the bank continues. So for myself, for Steven, and for Salty Scott Young, that's a wrap on all things WWE. Take care and bye-bye.